Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. How's it going? Hey, Danny. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm very excited about today's episode. We have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, we're talking about LVMH putting a big investment into a lab-grown diamond company. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts about lab-grown diamonds versus, quote-unquote, natural diamonds, and we'll get into that and stuff in a bit. So excited to talk about that one. Um, we'll also talk about the official launch of Christie's new sneaker and streetwear vertical. Um, they've been kind of dabbling in that for a while, but now there's like an official like department that's just focused on sneakers and streetwear. And then finally, we will talk about the great crypto crash. If you've been paying any attention at all the last week, you've probably seen a lot of panic and and bad news from the crypto world. So we'll talk about that um, because it's coming at a very interesting time when fashion brands are all going all in on it and everything. But anyway, let's start with LVMH. So um, on Tuesday, LVMH announced a $90 million investment into the Israeli lab-grown diamond startup, which I think is called Lucix. Now, that's that's basically all the news. But the reason I thought this was interesting is because there's a lot of snobbery, I think, from the luxury, high jewelry, high fashion kind of worlds about lab-grown diamonds. They have this non-luxury kind of stink to them because they're cheaper and stuff. Tiffany, Tiffany and Bulgari and like all these brands don't do anything with lab-grown diamonds. They're all about natural diamonds. Um, I am very pro lab-grown diamonds because they are literally identical. Like, don't listen to anybody who tells you that there is something special about diamonds taken from the ground versus diamonds grown in a lab. They're exactly the same thing. They're, they're not synthetic. They're not fake diamonds. They're real diamonds. So it's it's really interesting to me that LVMH, like a big luxury kind of house, is putting money into that when a lot of the other their contemporaries don't even want to touch lab-grown diamonds. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Joe? I'm with you. And it's kind of saying they're going to get in on this budding market. Like lab grown diamonds are blowing up. It seems like younger consumers um, are very eager to spend less (laughs) on a great diamond. I mean, it it only makes sense. And also, we know there are all of these um, issues around ethically sourced or non-ethically sourced, which lab-grown diamonds, they're traceable. You know where they're coming from um, more often than not. So anyway, it, they're going there regardless of what their brands um, under their umbrella are doing. And it says something about luxury's changing perception about this market. Um, it's exciting. And also, the the company that they're investing in is really innovative in this space. Um, sun-grown diamonds. Yeah, they use solar energy too, which is very cool. Yes, because lab-grown diamonds are even problematic in themselves in terms of the energy requirements to produce yeah. them. So mm-hmm. this is like double whammy or double double goodness in terms of um, the affordability and the, I guess, I don't know, clean sustainability. Ethic. Yeah, yeah. Totally. They definitely, I, that's the thing that I've heard too is like lab grown diamonds are, like you said, mostly have no issues with like conflict diamond kind of status. Like you know exactly where they're coming from. Um, the 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 ethics in like the kind of labor department are a lot better. Um, they do have uh, some issues with energy usage, but I mean, it's not like mined diamonds don't come with energy usage as well. But um, but yeah, the, the fact that they're also solar powered, I thought was really interesting. Um, it does feel a little bit like that the luxury industry has kind of fought it for a while. And but now it's just like, okay, the wind is blowing one direction might as well start. And I feel almost the same with like resale where 
there have been luxury brands against it for so long. And then it's like, okay, it's happening whether we want it or not. Might as well start investing in some resale startups and start, you know, if we can't stop it from happening, we might as well make some money off of it. So um, I think I think that's very interesting. And having looked into it myself and and looked into buying lab-grown diamonds, like they're they're rated and and certified by the Gemological Institute of America, which is the same organization that rates quote unquote natural diamonds. And I'm saying quote unquote because I even calling them natural diamonds, I think is sort of misleading because again, they're ex the exact same mineral. Um, but like they have the same cut and clarity ratings, like flawless, very slightly included, very, very slightly included, like all the same ratings and um, certifications apply. So there, there's liter literally no difference. I, I could I could go on, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. And honestly, you're in getting engaged. You're wearing this rock. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> I don't think that that's even a question that somebody asks. What carrot? How many carrots? I mean, that's a bold ask. <laughs> I'd be like, none of your yeah. business. But honestly, are, are people, do? does anyone care? I don't think yeah. so. Um, my friends don't. Um, and if you, and if you're ashamed of it, you could just say it's from a mine in, <laughs> you know, Sierra Leone or something. Nobody, like no one will know, you know, yes. nobody can, they, they're not going to like ask to see your papers or whatever. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm very much a proponent, but it, there is like this luxury mindset where the rarer something is the more valuable it is. So I, I still see why that's appealing to people. Um, because like diamonds are not inherently, you know, nicer than any other stone or whatever. They're just like rare or they, you know, they, they cost a lot of money. So that like has this prestige alongside it. So I think there's something with like, you know, when, when they first learned how to like culture pearls, like grow pearls, it like tanked the price of pearls because before that, the only way to get them was like, go fishing and like pull one out and hope it was like perfect looking. But then as soon as you could grow them, it did kind of like make all pearls not that expensive anymore. So I do think there's a little bit of fear from like the diamond industry about that. Totally. In addition to whether or not ethically sourced now, right now we've got all these issues with the Russian Russian sanctions, like a third mm -hmm. of the diamonds are coming out of this market. Um, we're now, we don't have access to them. And so there's a shortage. Diamond prices are up. Like, it's, it's obviously kind of safeguarding for the future and safeguarding for these problems for LVMH ventures to, to go there. Um, at the same time, there are other investments they've recently made. I always butcher it. Ame Leon Dor um, is another one. And Heat, which to me is almost, it's a totally different scenario, but they do these mystery, lug, uh, fashion mystery boxes, which is a way mm. for them, it's like, designer and streetwear brands in these boxes that people get. Um, they're kind of personalized, customized, but it's at a discount. They're like, it's not mm -hmm. half price, maybe a quarter off, maybe not even that much, but kind of playing in this discount space, which that doesn't read true to like LVMH, but in doing so via these acquisitions and these I guess these these companies that are doing it in a way that's that's tactful and and doesn't read as cheap, it doesn't really dilute their I guess um, point of view or or what they're known for in my eyes. 
Okay, so let's talk about Christie's. So um, I think this was also on Tuesday. Christie's closed this auction they were doing, which was called Six Rings. Um, six lots all dedicated to the career of Michael Jordan. A lot of it were sneakers, but there was also some non-sneaker stuff in there. But it was, it was mostly focused on sneakers. Game-worn sneakers that he had worn in, in you know, specific games signed sneakers, um, just, uh, you know, everything Jordan related, um, altogether, I think it made like, uh, one and a half million dollars or something just off like six lots. Um, this was the, the first auction in like the official, like Christie's sneaker and streetwear department. Um, like I said, in the intro, they have been, they have sold stuff in this space before, but it's all been kind of one-off things. This is the, the beginning of like an official, like section of Christie's kind of um, auctions that's going to be dedicated to this stuff. They've really been building up expertise here. Um, this woman, Caitlin Donovan, who I think started there with handbags, has, has been really spearheading the the sneaker and streetwear side of, of the business there. Um, she was one of the people who put together this Michael Jordan sale. Um, yeah, it's it's fully arrived at this point. It is, sneakers are now, you know, uh, undeniably in, to anyone like a, a legit luxury category. Um, Joe, what are your what are your thoughts on on the Christie's sneaker and streetwear launch? Yeah, right. Immediately, my thoughts for you know, are they going up against like what the st- stadium goods or, or StockX the the resale mm-hmm. sites like what differentiates what's being sold at Christie's versus on these other sites and where will people put their shoes? Where will people invest in shoes? It w- it was odd to me that they kicked it off actually with these Jordans because. These are, they're not your like hype shoes. They're not something, these are like actual collector's items. Like that artifacts, short, yeah. Yes, that, that mm-hmm. typical of, of Christie's, like to me, this isn't like outside of the box when they have teamed with stadium goods on auctions before. Um, it does read as, I guess, uh, the the rise of fashion as an investment, luxury, any sort of fashion. I did a, a, a beauty brief, fashion briefing, excuse me, about this a while ago. And it was just about, um, it was tied to the launch of this company called Luxus. And it was basically like fine jewelry that people can invest in. And literally they never wear it. It's just like, somebody wore this on the red carpet. It's a 40 carat diamond necklace. Lady Gaga wore it, whatever. Um, invest in it. You'll have part ownership in it. And really for them, it's like these little niche areas in terms of how you can invest in fashion now. Um, For them, it was like, we're not, it's not any piece. It's like an heirloom piece um, that that we're going to sell. So to me, it's almost like Christie's is almost, it's carving out an area too, where it's, it's, maybe it is everything's kind of borderline collector's items or um, something that's more traditional for a collector versus just yeah i guess there are a lot of sneaker collectors how are we differentiating it i guess like a historical <laughs> what do we call yeah it? yeah yeah no you, you raise a really good point and I, I had written this in my notes as well in that it's not really competing directly with like a stock x or something um it well so it's it's definitely not competing with something like goat or grailed where you're like buying sneakers that somebody has worn before um, like, and not Michael Jordan, but just like a, a stranger. Um, and it's not even necessarily competing with stock X, which the sneakers on stock X need to be like mint condition unworn, but they're still just kind of just normal sneakers. 
And Christie's it seems like it's going to be focusing a lot on these kind of, like you said, like historical artifacts, these one of a kind, like, yeah, treasures that are in the shape of a sneaker, basically, rather than just, you know, any old pair of sneakers or even a pair of sneakers from a limited kind of drop. You know, it seems like, you know, they're not just selling, you know, the latest Jordan. It's like a pair of Jordans worn by Michael Jordan. It's from a specific game. And that's why, you know, this woman, Caitlin Donovan, I was mentioning, has a lot of expertise. Like she, there's a great women's wear article where they talk to her and she's talking about, um, you know, tracking down exactly where these sneakers came from following the whole history there, there, she mentioned a pair that were like given by Michael Jordan as a gift to the mechanic who worked on like the bus for the Chicago Bulls when he was on the team. So it's like these very specific pieces. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I, if Christie's wanted to open up a little bit and, and, you know, do less historically significant sneakers in, in higher volume, then maybe it would be brushing up a little more against like StockX or something like that. But as it stands, I don't think there's anybody else really doing this regularly. Um, although, like I said, Christie's has done this a couple times. They've, this is not the first pair of sneakers they've sold. And and other big luxury auction house kind of places like Sotheby's have, have done stuff. Actually, I have a I have a Stadium Goods and Sotheby's shirt t-shirt from like an event that they did together, which I just like got, I don't know, they were like giving it out in like a gift bag or something. And I wear it all the time because I don't know what they put in it, but it fits so perfectly. Like, <laughs> nice. But anyway, so I, I just know for a fact that they've Sotheby's has done stuff like this too. But as far as I know, Sotheby's doesn't have a dedicated sneaker department the way Christie's now does. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned like you don't know if they were to open up more. Maybe this department is kind of a means of them. Like Netta Whitney, their CMO, spoke at our recent Glossy Summit uh, last week um, and was talking about well, basically, she said, well, everything's digital. Everyone's buying even their million-dollar items online. Um, Luxuries, the, the definition's changed. Um, it's not always a high-cost item. However, she did say that most items that this company, that Christie's sells, um, they go for over a million dollars, which I was like, whoa. Um, and if you look at the price of these sneakers that um, six different lots sold for a total of like 1.3, 1.4 million. The different shoe styles, one only sold for 10,000. Um, so anyway, these aren't, compared to other Christie's items, this is a more accessible category um, out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny to say like $50,000 pair of sneakers is accessible, but, but you're right. And I think they did mention Christie's that they sold for more than Christie's was expecting, but they did, yeah, like it, it is definitely a lower price point. Um, it's not quite like, you know, casual, accessible to everybody, but it's definitely more accessible than, yeah, million dollar floor for, for some of their other stuff. Um, cool. Let's talk finally about crypto. Um, so I'm going to say right off the bat, I have been a crypto skeptic for a while and, and part of me is like, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe I'm just kind of out of touch or whatever, but I, from the beginning, I've kind of like been not a huge fan of this whole world. And I kind of think NFTs are sort of stupid and stuff. But um, this week, there's been some serious, like, uh, not good signs out of out of the crypto world. Um, a lot of the I mean, the entire market was is now worth meaning all of cryptocurrencies under a trillion dollars. And last year, it was like more than three trillion. Um, so it's lost. I mean, it's still worth a lot, but it's lost a lot as well. Um, 
There have been, you know, cryptocurrencies like Luna, like completely, completely collapsed. Um, but then others have just like lost a lot of their value, even though they're still around. Uh, Ethereum, I think I saw is worth like a quarter of what it was in even just November of last year, which is really not that long ago. So my my crypto skepticism want, like wants me to just be like, well, it's, yeah, because this whole thing is like a scam and of course it's going to fall apart. But it's also kind of like, yeah, but like every, like the regular stock market's also like not doing so right. well. So, so I'm I I hesitate to be too much like, well, it's just because it's crypto, you know. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of not a good market situation, whether you're in regular finance or crypto finance. So um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Joel? Yeah, it seems risky business for for brands this to play in this area. I we're hearing I I would say maybe only a handful of brands that I can name that have launched um, that they're, they're announced that they're accepting cryptocurrency. Um, which you know there are big names now. There's Gucci, Farfetch recently. We know Philip Pline, um, even some more mass mainstream brands. Uh, Pac Sun. We re- recently talked to Brianne Olson, their president, um, and she was saying something to the effect of there's not enough attention on or um, coverage of the, the, the time and the resources, what it takes to get something like this off the ground for a brand. Like it, she really underestimated it. Um, and there was some Mark Bain, God, I love him. But anyway, he had a great story um, that really, it said, a company that does five hundred million dollars in revenue, um, it co- it can cost a million dollars to an a million dollars to enable payments with digital currency. Like, holy crap! <laughs> like, like, what is the point? At the same time, only about two percent of the population has made a purchase with crypto. Like, what is all this for <laughs> right now? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, from from day one, I feel like the crypto like the people who are actually using it like feel like such a small minority and and yet like the last year i feel like fashion has been so 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 maybe just because there's a lot of luxury fashion that caters to i don't know wealthier people or or the other thing is i think the streetwear world has been also very into crypto like basically every like streetwear guy is also a crypto guy um at least in the, the the higher levels um but um yeah it just I I feel like the people who are going to suffer the most from from like the crypto crash and stuff like there's like some really harrowing kind of stories of people being like, oh, I bet everything on like Luna coin or whatever. And then it like just totally collapsed. And it's like for the brands, it's one thing to, you know, just eat it as a business expense or whatever. But like for if you're encouraging customers to use it and stuff and getting people involved in NFTs and everything, and then they like lose their life savings on it. Like, I don't know. The whole thing is like kind of tragic. So yeah. I don't know. It It's, it's an, like, I don't know. I don't think um, I should be clear. I don't think like cryptocurrency is going to like go away or anything. And, and it, but it definitely feels like 2021 was such a, with like NFTs was such a big year for crypto. Like everybody was doing NFTs. Everybody started like, you know, made a Coinbase wallet um, I think some of that, you know, hype and demand might kind of even out, but like, like Ethereum is like a, a quarter of what it was in November, but it's still worth a lot. Like it's, it's yeah. not totally going away, you know? Yeah. It's hard for brands. I'm sure like you, we've seen the benefit of like 
first mover advantage when it comes to like anything digital, like definitely brands have benefited from going there first and risking it and investing uh, for sure. But yeah, as the prices of a lot of these coins have plummeted, there's like, there's issues with returns, even like if somebody makes a purchase with cryptocurrency, they're not going to like, you don't get refunded, like, just like that, like the the price changes. Like, do you give people back more value? You get less value. It's it's very like I don't know, twisty mm-hmm. and convoluted and and ugly. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So there's so many issues around it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also the fact, the stat out there that people who have who have cryptocurrency, who have invested, uh, consumers, they they're mostly the high spend consumers are holding it. They're not spending it. So those that have it, they're not even shopping at the the far fetches of the world. They're not shopping at Gucci. It's just right now it's not <laughs> making sense. I would agree. Yeah. And everyone that I talk to in in like fashion brands who are doing a lot of crypto stuff, like I'm always asking them like and and I'm counting like NFTs and metaverse and stuff in that because I feel like it's all kind of this like same web three sort of world. Um, I'm always asking them like, but what is this? like do for you guys? Does this actually drive sales? Does this actually like do anything? And some people have been upfront and and said that it does. And some people have been upfront and said that they're not sure yet. And then some people are just kind of like have this crypto like mindset of like, well, it's the future. It's going to change everything. And I'm like, but how? You know, <laughs> like so. So I think you, if you want to get into it, you really need to be able to answer that question. Like, it's definitely new, but it's not so new that you can't, like, see a use case or something before you get into it. Um, Then there's the point of media impact value. And, like, when you do something early, you get all the press and all the buzz. And we publications in our space, including us right now on this podcast, we talk about the brands that have launched cryptocurrency yeah. payments. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, depending on what they spend on another activation, maybe it pays off in that way for them. One one final thought on crypto from me and Jill, if you have a final thought too, you can share. But um, I, like I said, a lot of the things that apply to crypto also kind of apply to finance in general. Like, yeah, crypto is tanking, but also just like the economy in general is not good. So, it's hard to separate, you know, what's like because of crypto and what's just because of the market in general. Um, But one thing that is a crucial distinction is that even though we have like a pretty deregulated financial system in the US, there are at least some regulations. And like cryptocurrency, the whole point is there are no regulations there, which also means no protections. So when, um, you know, Celsius, that big crypto exchange was just like not letting people withdraw their funds because they were kind of like having a liquidity crisis. People were like, well, you can't just keep our money. And it's like they can actually because it's unregulated. That's like the whole point. So it's just some stuff applies across, you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or just regular kind of economics, but some stuff is specific to crypto. Um, There are some insurances and some protections with regular stocks and investments that you don't get with crypto. So anyway, that's that's a good point. Jill, any final thoughts from you before we wrap it up? I think that's a good way to end it. Like, write it down, folks. (laughs) Write it down. Write it down. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. If you have not given us a rating and a review, um, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to this. That really helps out a lot. 
Um, and if you haven't subscribed to the Glossy Podcast, you should because you'll hear me and Jill every Friday talking about the week in review, but also every Wednesday, Jill interviews somebody from the industry. Jill, who's your next interview? Who's on the next Glossy Podcast episode? Yeah, next week we've got Liz Lang of her namesake maternity brand from the 90s, which is iconic. But now she's behind Fig, which is very uh, resort, beachy, fabulous. She had some very cool, bold things to say about the return to work and why she likes people in the office. So check it out. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Jill, for being here. And thank you all for listening.